Today we're going to have a sermon in two parts. The first half is going to be, uh, or the first portion is going to be very short, and the second portion we'll begin to move in, and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. But just know that when we break, we're not, we're not done, okay? Okay. Hey, today is Palm Sunday, and so what today marks is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This really interesting thing takes place when he comes into Jerusalem. Uh, the droves, the masses show up, and in Matthew 21, Matthew gives us a picture of it. When we see Jesus show up, the crowds spread their cloaks on the road, others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, and the crowds that went before him, and those that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And so they are stoked. They're amazed, they're overjoyed, they are overcome with excitement at his coming. And so everything about everybody, they're all caught up in this kind of fervor of adulation and joy and excitement, just crying out, praise be, glory be. But in some sense, we recognize they don't get it. They don't get it. And we get this, we pick up on this when we read a little bit further you get into verse 10, it says, When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, and they're asking this perpetual question, who is this? So this gives us the idea that the kind of question they're asking is, hey, look, like I know everybody was really excited. Who the heck is that guy? Like, what's going on? I was out there, I was cheering, I cut some branches, I threw my coat on the ground, and the whole time I'm wondering, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Who is this guy? And listen to the response they get. It's really, really illuminating. The response of the whole group is this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of, Nazareth of Galilee. They didn't get it. There's a portion of it they understood. They understood his background. They understood that his teaching put him into the class of kind of prophet where he's weighing in on what everybody before him has said. But they missed the distinct understanding of exactly how special and how unique what Jesus was doing is. Can I tell you, there are times in our lives even those of us who know Jesus have surrendered our hearts to Jesus. Effectively, we do the same things. We're rocking along, we encounter some difficulty, we encounter some problem, and it's just, we, do, we just kind of fall back into kind of our main level of doing things. We fall back into this kind of survival mode. We fall back into kind of whatever our basest instincts are to help us navigate, to help us make it through the difficulty we're facing. So our, our, we're married, our wife gets sick, uh, we get sick. We find that, that uh, we've been diagnosed with cancer. We have five days to live. We have five months to live. We lose our jobs. We're just sad and we don't know why. It's just this sadness that kind of sits there in our stomachs and we don't know why. And in those moments, sometimes we fall back on our base instinct. And in that moment, we forget effectively who God is. We forget effectively who Jesus is. Now Psalm 21 gives us this beautiful picture and beautiful reflection on that problem. And it also presents us with an amazing response to it. Let's journey through the first two verses uh, right here and then we'll do the, the last six after the break. The Psalms this writes in verses one and two of Psalm 121. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come? And so Psalm 121 is likely a psalm of pilgrimage. This details what it's like 
to take this pilgrimage to Jerusalem to go and to offer a sacrifice to the Lord at the temple. So you imagine that I load up my family, I load up my extended family, and we're bebopping down the road, and we're walking, we got some on donkeys, and we're making this trek. And then as we come to Jerusalem, we see it in the distance, set on the hill. And when we see those hills, there is this temptation to allow the thought to occur to our minds, "Uh uh-oh, big trouble. Now you look at it and you say, why? I mean, you can see the destination, you see where you're going. Why would they be trouble? One of the things we know historically is that those hills around there was a great place for robbers, for thieves, and for murderers to hang out. And so you're, you're going along and maybe you're just kind of bebopping, minding your own business. Praise be, glory to God, ready to go off our sacrifice. Praise be, glory to God. Whack! You get mugged. You get a first century mugging. You get a first century beatdown. And so in, in, in your mind, as you're coming up to this, everybody knows somebody who's been mugged on the way, right? It's kind of like if you go to portions of New Orleans, you'd be like, don't go in that street at night. Don't go in that street at night. In fact, don't go to any of the city anytime. But sure, don't go there at nighttime. Why? Because I had a cousin whose cousin, whose babysitter got mugged and almost died. Amazing story. I should tell it to you sometime. And so when they see this, it engenders, it creates fear in them. Just as we said a moment ago, there are so many moments in our lives that have that same ability to create fear in us because we are limited human beings. We don't know the future. We don't know how it's going to work out. When we receive a bleak prognosis from the doctor, we don't know that we'll be healed. When we find that there are cutbacks at work, we don't know if our job will be on the chopping block. As we look out and we manage all these things, we have no idea how these things will hit us. And so each and every moment we come to that shakes us to the very core of who we are has the potential to place us in this same area. And what's interesting, look at this. This question comes from where does my help come? In the moments of difficulty, in the moments of trial, in the moments of desperation, We ask the question, where is my help going to come from? Is it going to come from my spouse? Is it going to come from my friends? Am I going to find some type of inner resolve Tony Robbins thing to just kind of muscle through this? Am I going to have my best life right now, right here, because I'm the only one that I can count on? Or, in these moments, do I look from the place where true help, true purpose can come from that is unassailable? that is unshakable. Look at what the psalmist tells us. He asks for the question of help, and he says, my help comes from the Lord. So he has this, this amazing kind of epiphanal moment. In this moment of fear, in this moment of fear and trepidation, he is he's shaking, she is shaking. They don't know how everybody else is gonna fare on this trip. And then they have this moment that says, my help comes from from the Lord, and this tremendous sense of resolve comes in them. Why? Not because they found their best self, not because they they mustered up courage, but because in their weakness, they found the one who is able to guard them through, to lead them past, to equip them, and to keep them safe. Now, he says this really particular thing about this Lord. You see, he's not just this high and mighty God that you call upon. He's not Thor in the midst riding down on a lightning. And he, like, this isn't how he's kept safe. It's not like he's got this good buddy who shows up with an AK-47. He's like, you got problems in them hills, man. I'm going to flush them out. They're really going to regret coming after you. Like, he's not calling Rambo. Come on, bro. Like, I need you. I need you now. When he's talking about help, he finds his help in the Lord. Does this not amaze you? 
Does this not floor you? He's not saying it's okay, there's a big caravan of us. They can't possibly take us all. They're gonna get Jethro in the back. He's got a leg, man, we're just gonna leave him. They're gonna get Jethro. Y'all, tie money back to Jethro. Let's let him have him. No, when he's looking at this, his consolation, his equipping, his encouragement, and his courage comes from who God is. He says, my help comes from the Lord, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, this is what he's saying. He doesn't look at the sky. He's not looking at the ground. He's, look, he made this up there. He made this down here. He's giving us the idea that God made what's up there and what's below and everything in between. So he looks at these hills. He sees them in the distance, these things which have the possibility of creating fear in his heart. And he says, my God made those hills. My God made those hills. My God sustains those hills. My God has those hills soundly under control. The Christian life is kept safe by God when we place our trust in him. The Christian life is kept safe by God when we place our trust in him. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would challenge and encourage us to place our trust in you when we are so close to freaking out, to bailing out, to rolling back to our base level of what we do. God, that you would call us in that moment to once again place our trust in you, knowing you are able to keep us safe. Amen. If you can, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and bow your head. Close your eyes. Join me in another time of prayer and reflection. Man, at this time, man, I want you to spend time thinking about the bread, thinking about the cup, and what each one of those really symbolizes. Man, think about the bread for a moment. Think about how Christ gave his body how his body was broken for us. Thank him for that sacrifice. Spend a moment and just ask that, man, as we walk out our faith, Man, ask God to allow us to walk worthy of our calling in Christ and live a life that is honoring to God. And take a moment and think about the cup as you reflect on that. Man, just thank him for the price, the enormous price that was paid for our sin.
man, as we get ready to approach the communion table, just again, man, just ask that he would ready our heart, ask that we would be ready to partake in the elements that we would not come to the table in an unworthy manner. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this precious time. In this precious time of reverent reflection on everything that Christ did for us on the cross. God, as we get ready to partake in these hallowed symbols, God, as we come to the Holy Communion table, God, we humbly take this bread. And God, we ask you that, man, you would remind us of what you did with your own dear body as it was broken for us. God, I pray that we would continue to feed on you in our hearts, in our daily walk. God, that we would not just look at this and look at the price that you pay every now and then, but God, man, every minute of every day, God, that we will walk by faith with grateful thanks. God, I pray that we would walk worthy of our calling in Christ. God, that as a Christ follower, God, we would look at what you did, and because you did what you did, because of the price that you paid, God, we would allow that to encourage us to raise the bar on our daily walk. God, we pray that we would live a life that's honoring to you. God, we pray as we ready ourselves and as we come to the moment in a minute to drink of that cup, God, we, we pray that you are will remind us of the the blood that was shed on the cross. God, we pray that we would never forget the enormous price that you paid for our sin, how you became a ransom for many. God, we pray that as we share in that cup, God, we pray that we will remember how Christ himself took that cup in the upper room and, and hours before his crucifixion drew near, Man, he said to his disciples, man, this is my blood that was shed for so many. God, as often as we drink that, let us remember that. God, we thank you for these moments that we have to come together as the body of Christ, to come together as the body of believers. And God, I pray that we would never approach this time of communion with an unworthy heart or in an unworthy manner. God, I pray that knowing as often as we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, God, we would proclaim Christ's death until it's coming again. God, we ask all this in your great, glorious majesty. God, we ask it in your holy name. Amen. 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 As we come back into Psalm 121, remember this. We are kept safe by God when we place our trust in him. And what the remainder of Psalm 21 shows us is on the basis of three things, and they're all soundly uh, God's responsibility. They are his persistence, his provision, and his protection. Let me read three through eight. Three through eight starts off, he says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God is able to keep you safe because of his persistence. I don't know how many of you have been in charge of staying up late with someone. I don't do well past about 1230. Like I, I get, I get kind of silly. At that point, I giggle. I can't control it. It's super embarrassing. I turn into a preteen girl after midnight. Some people turn into vampires. I turn into a preteen girl. I'm just saying. And so, but there have been times in my life where I have just kind of struggled to stay awake. I remember my first semester of college, I'd stayed up too late. I was in a biology class. And in my mind, I'm doing really, really well staying awake. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like constantly moving around, like doing really, you know, kind of things and switching pen from hand to hand because you want to stay awake. You want to stay awake. And then you find out it's real quiet. It's real warm. And the professor goes, wah, 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 wah. And it sounds like, wah, 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 wah. You know, and so it's like this lullaby. It's in our heads. And so, and so I noticed that I'm doing this number. And so first check, what? Well, drool check. It's dry. And then it's the stretch check. And then you look up. And everybody's staring at me. He had stopped class and made them watch me sleep. It's a big class. Always a bad sign when he knows your name. Mr. Beasley, did you have a late night? I said, no, I had an early morning. And so we find that there's a difficulty in us staying awake and, 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 and the ability for us to safe keep something, to safeguard something is tied to our ability to pay attention. So look what we see here in this wonderful display of our God, that along this journey, along this trek, we find we have a God who's not going to slumber, he's not going to nod off. He is incredibly persistent in paying attention to us as we trek this road. And then beyond this, he extends it to the nation. He says, this one who keeps Israel, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So what we find is, is that we have this God guarding the course of our going, guarding the course of our lives, who's not growing weary with our going. So he's not looking at us and saying, well, Charles's life is super boring, and so I'm just going to not focus on him. I'm going to direct some attention over here to John, and I'm going to direct some attention over here to Sally, and I'm going to direct some attention over here to Brandy. Our God's not like that. He is not limited. He is not pulled off course by our waywardness. There is no point where he is disinterested in your life. This God, this creator and sustainer of all the universe, he is enamored watching you as you go. And giving careful attention, his persistence draws us to worship him. His persistence draws us to worship him. His protection versus uh, five and six, keep us safe. Read this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is a shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. As they're trekking out across this pilgrimage, the sun beating down upon them, they would like nothing more than shade to cover them, to keep the oppressive sun from raining down on them. And so the Psalms is pictures God is this shade extending his blessing on everywhere they go. And this is exactly the way that he is with us. The shade, the covering God, covering you as you go through the hardships and the difficulties of life. And look what he says. 
He's going to guard you by day, and he's going to guard you by night. This gives us the indication that God's not, oh, ma'am, I'm really sorry about that, ma'am. My shift is up. My shift is over. I got off like five minutes ago. If you had run into a major thing five minutes ago, I would have been your guy. But you know how the unions are nowadays. I just, I can't work over, and I'm not going to fudge on my time card. Our God is not, uh, he is not burdened by the inconveniences of what is going on in our life. You know, we have a lot of friends that if we have something easy going on, they want to be right there, right? So we go to them and we say, man, I just got too much money. I don't know who to, how to spend it or who to spend it on. They're like, oh, 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 man, I'm there. I got some needs. A friend in need is a friend indeed. Am I the only one that knows that? Come on now. And so like this is, this is how a lot of us find our friendships. But what we find is, is God is close to us in these moments, and he is waiting on us to ask him for help. We go to our spouse, we go to our friends, we go to our coworkers, we go to ourselves. In these moments when we're afraid, in these moments when we're overcome with grief and prone to dismay, to give in to fear. But there's this remembrance that we are kept safe by him when we place our trust in him remembering him because he is persistent and he is protector look at seven and eight we find that in addition to being persistent and a provider that our god also extends to us protection verses seven and eight the lord will keep you from all evil he will keep your life the lord will keep your going out your coming in from this time forth and forevermore Wherever you find yourself, wherever you're going, you're going there or you're coming back, this God can keep you safe. Now hear me on this. Many of us spend an inordinate amount of money and time keeping ourselves safe. We are a risk-averse people. I want to make this real for you. This morning, in Cairo, ISIS set off a bomb in the midst of a church. 37 Christians' lives came to an end worshiping Jesus. 37 Christians' lives came to an end worshiping Jesus. Worshiping Jesus may cost you your life. The question many of us have to ask ourselves is, if worshiping Jesus costs us our lives, is he worth it? When we begin to answer that question and say, yes, he is worth it, there is nothing God can call us to that we would not do. Some of us, God is calling us to trust him so that we might step out in obedience. For some of you, it's just following Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've never said, yes, I will let you reign and rule in my life. I confess that I'm a sinner in need. For some of you, you need to trust his provision and his care for you in the midst of what it is to follow him. But man, there are lots of us sitting in these pews that God is raising up men and women to send to the nations. God is raising up men and women to send to the nations. He is pulling at your heartstring and he is setting all these things up. And you know that he's called you to go to this place where your life might be surrendered on the altar and sacrificed to worship him. Do you trust him? Or do you continue to place yourself in ways that, that it's just impossible for God to break, for, break through? 
because you put all these safety nets, you put all these things. Man, God, I've got all these plans. I've got, this is my five-year 10. This is, this is my five-year plan. This is my 10-year horizon. This is my 15-year. I've got, I got a 70-year plan, which really includes just not dying. But, but I'm, I'm filling that one out as I go. I'm filling that one out as I go. We come up with all these ways of keeping ourselves safe. Some of us, it's as simple as sharing the gospel with a coworker, sharing the gospel with a neighbor, sharing the gospel with a spouse. But we make plans all the way down to keep ourselves from feeling uncomfortable, right? Oh, oh, they're almost getting out of their car. Hold on, let me check my ashtray. Oh, nope, still no ashes. Let me check. Oh, I got some coins over there. I got this. Oh, I might as well, you know what? My car's pretty dirty. I need to clean this car. Oh, man, they went inside the house. If you put your faith and your trust in him, he will keep you safe because he is persistent. If you put your faith and your trust in him, he will keep you safe because he is provider If you put your faith and trust in him, he will keep you safe because he extends to you protection. Now and forevermore, both in your coming and your going. Jude gives us this wonderful picture that when we recognize who God is, it leads us to worship him for all that he is. Jude, starting in verse 24, says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from wrecking your faith on the rocks, And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Look at how he transitions to worship. To our only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Friends, God is calling you to be a worshiper of him. Part of what it looks like to be a worshiper of God is to place all of your trust in him and not in yourself. As we prepare and move into taking the Lord's Supper, let me ask those deacons that I've spoken to to come forward and the elders to come to the tables. Let me read Matthew 26 for us. Matthew 26, Jesus beginning the Lord's Supper with the disciples gathered in the upper room. Said, now as they were eating the bread, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Friends, as we enter into this time of of celebrating and recognizing our Lord's sacrifice, let us meditate on whether or not our trust in the Lord is what is sustaining us or if we're trusting in ourselves or our circumstances to sustain us as we come forward this is also our time of invitation and application steve and i will be down at the front if you'd like to pray with one of us or come to speak with one of us this is the time let us open our hearts and begin to respond to the word of god we will dismiss from the front row to the back